This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Everything in our life has a way to empower our transformation and to bring our lives into alignment with our true soul self. Valeria Tellez interviews Dale Holloway, the author of Being Called to Change, Let Go of All That No Longer Serves You and Grow Into Your Full Potential. Dale has been influencing the lives and careers of thousands for almost 40 years. He is one of the world's leading authorities on personal and business transformation, entrepreneurial success, and real leadership development. Dale is an international speaker, author, master teacher, success coach, strategic advisor, and transformational authority. Throughout his life and career, Dale has been dedicated first and foremost to his own path of spiritual growth and personal empowerment. It is his belief that personal transformation results in a clear identity and a knowledge of who we truly are and of what we are meant to be part of. The more we can unblock those layers of old programming and of our false self, the more clear that we become in who we are and in our ability to stay on a daily transformational path. The clearer we become, the less things will upset us and block our flow. The clarity, simplicity, and transformative power of Mr. Holloway's teachings are destined to inspire and empower individuals, whether on a personal or entrepreneurial level in their own transformation and in their spiritual awakening. This helps facilitate the conscious awakening of our humanity at this time. We have entered into a global awakening and the timing for the depth of Dale's lifelong work plus the many prior lifetimes he has to draw from as a mystic, teacher, and leader, couldn't come at a more important and impactful time for the evolution of our race. Meet Dale at daleholloway.com. Here is the interview with Dale Holloway. In your own words, who is Dale Holloway? Well, I suppose some would say that's a deep question because there's a lot to me. But I would say the simple answer would be a best-selling author, a master teacher of transformation, of spiritual awakening, of personal development, of entrepreneurial empowerment, someone who uh, clearly has been helping for many decades now. Uh, people to level up their life, whether it's personally, professionally, spiritually, financially, relationally wise, health wise, on whatever level. 
this is um, who I am, I guess. I know you call it simple what you do, which is not that simple. But yeah, going a bit deeper, who would you say you are? Well, I suppose as a spiritual being, I'm a psychic, I'm a mystic, I can foretell events that are coming. I'm someone who can read people's energy in terms of their timeline, uh, past, present, as well as future. I am someone who has a, a very unique relationship with the world of the subconscious. So when someone comes to me, whether they're with me personally as in a personal coaching type situation or a consulting situation with a company or in one of my public seminars or public events that uh, I am someone who's able to basically get into somebody's subconscious and share information with them that would be really important for them to know in that now moment right. and more specifically information that would be the type of information that they're ready to receive or they're open to hearing uh, because there's usually something going on in their life that having access to that would help them immensely to move to that new or next level of their of their being or of their of their evolution. How did you discover these abilities, Dale? Well, I've been really dedicated to my own path, personal transformation or self-transcendence uh, for quite some time. And so I've turned it just like I talk about in my book. Uh, I've turned my transformation or my evolution into a lifestyle uh, some time ago. And anybody that knows me really well, it's one of the things that they often comment on and are often very inspired by. So for me, it's been an unfolding process or an unraveling process. When I started off in this life, I started off with a set of talents that at a very young age became very clear to me and others around me that I had talents in those, in those specific areas, as in like an entrepreneur or as in a teacher or as in a leader. It showed up very early. And then as I was transforming and really dealing with my stuff and clearing up my past, uh, not just of this life experience, but previous lives, at some point I began to level up and I started to experience a higher state of consciousness naturally, where I began to have, if you will, you know, Godhead-like experiences where I would drop into an altered state of consciousness. And sometimes I'd be in that altered state for, you know, four, five, six, even seven hours at a time. And uh, very much like if I was to take a drug of some kind and, uh, you know, and then be put into those higher states, in this case, I was accessing it spontaneously, or it was accessing me spontaneously. And as I had a few of those experiences, at some point, I became aware or began to remember that I had even these higher abilities, if you will, or other abilities, as in not just being psychic, but then being mystical, or being somebody who has an ability to really move energy without, quite frankly, anybody even knowing that that's what I'm doing, because what I'm doing, I'm operating at a different level of consciousness uh, that we're all connected to, whether we're whether we are aware of it or not. Yeah. And so operating at that level, everything then shifts, whatever that might be. And then in a short period of time, whatever that shift is that occurs at that level, it begins to descend down into the lower levels of one's beingness. And so you know, for me to be able to do what 
I now do. I was indoctrinated into my own personal initiation with it, if you will, my own inner experience with this from time to time, not all at once, of course, time to time, went over a period of uh, many years, a lot of different experiences, and somewhere in that larger experience of the experiences mm-hmm. uh, is when I really started to see that, uh, yes, I am quite psychic and I'm quite mystical and all these types of things uh, because now I'm now I'm accessing on a more regular basis or accessing in a way uh, that's very much now like a lifestyle kind of thing. So, Would you say fear gets in the way? Some of us are afraid to tap to the unknown space of our being? Yeah, I would say that definitely plays a big part. It depends on how deep you want to go here with a little bit of time that we have. But I've uncovered all kinds of answers to that very question. Uh, On an individual level, it's going to have a lot to do with that fear. Uh, But yet there's also this collective level, this collective level. so So if we were to look at our collective as a matrix, And within that matrix, if we were to break it down to like a lower energy part of the matrix, and then on the up, on the uptake, there would be an upper layer of the matrix. And so within that context, there's all these other things that are at play that further support that idea of causing us to basically fall asleep and to really fall asleep. I mean, not with our physical eyes, but to fall asleep energetically or spiritually. I know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. And but where we fall asleep, we like we've been programmed. We've it, there's a broadcast that once we enter into this life, this broadcast, we all are touched by it to some degree. The question is, will we take the bait and completely fall asleep? And if we do, one of the symptoms of someone who's really fallen asleep is they begin to not just think, but they begin to believe that when they stand in front of a mirror and the reflection they see back from that physical mirror is their body, they start to believe that's who they are. And that's all they are is that body. Or sometimes they'll just believe that they're their name, their name, their body, their personality, that type of thing. And then, as we've seen, a lot of people will stay in that place for years on end, maybe an entire lifetime experience. But then we also see there are others who somehow, some way begin to break free from that illusion or break free from that lower level of programming from that place that is uh, 100% fear rooted. To you, what is this experience called life? And another question attached to that is, did we choose to be here in a human body? Uh, Yeah, so choice is a really interesting thing. Because, you know, we all want to believe that we have complete and total free will in this dimension, in this third dimensional or even fourth dimensional reality. And that is partially true. We do. But there's another part to that truth that at least I've uncovered And that has to do at soul level. When when the soul is choosing, the soul is choosing an experience as in known as a, you know, a lifetime. And so from that perspective, the soul is very much involved in the choice of whatever it is that, uh, you know, we're now going to experience in the context of that life. But then once the life begins, somewhere shortly thereafter, uh, we start to 
also come into some level of free will or some level of personal choice making where, you know, we get to choose, for example, if something happens in our life that really challenges us, we get to choose whether we're going to react to that challenge or respond, uh, to really respond well and really draw something of value from that experience or have that experience or that challenge really catapult a, a positive change within us or a positive change in some aspect of our life. So that's more on the personality level once we're here, but on a soul level, the soul is very much involved in making the much larger choice in terms of like, what are the lessons going to be that we're going to learn this time around? What are the soul themes uh, that's going to really govern our life? You know, those deeper type of things. And then I would say thirdly to that, going back to that idea of, say, the matrix or whatever we want to call that uh, on the planet, that that collective programming, that collective broadcasting, so to speak, that there's also that element, too, where that is either affecting our ability to choose in a healthier way or possibly our personal choice while here is being stripped down by that, that lower end of the matrix or that collective entity that's purposely stripping it down to where the person or the individual is beginning to live their life more on automatic, uh, where, of course, we see a lot of that uh, in even today's time, where you'll see a lot of people, they're just basically doing the same thing day after day. Nothing really changes, at least for the better, but more robotic-like living. I hear a lot about the soul's journey, as you you said, um, it chooses lessons. So the next uh, lifetime, how that we will learn those lessons. And I often wonder about freedom. So what would freedom look like to you? What would be to be free? Well, I would say the first thing is, you know, we all have a set of divine birthrights. I would say right across the board, everybody on the planet has at least three of them. Some have more than three. But one of those three that's common to all of us is exactly what you're asking about right now, which is freedom. So for me, that's my start point. That's something that I remembered earlier in this life. And so freedom has always resonated with me in the deepest and most profound of ways. And so when I'm teaching, when I'm leading, when I'm working with people, uh, that is always one of the intentions. Now, whether or not people are willing or ready yet to be freed of, say, for example, their own lower energy matrix. So there's that collective energy matrix. Then there's the individual lower matrix made up of one's uh, beliefs and patterning and coding and so on. And so... You know, if I'm still trapped in my limiting beliefs, if I'm still trapped in my own world of limitation, if I'm still trapped in my own lower energy patterns slash uh, habits, if that's still a part of my reality, then there's going to be very little freedom for me because what's really going on, my beliefs that are of a limiting nature, my patterning, my behavioral patterning, my languaging patterning is if that's still of a lower energy nature as well, then what that means is I'm actually being controlled. I'm being controlled by those patterns. 
So, you know, there's a universal law that basically says that 98% of everything we do, once we're in full-on human form, we do out of habit. In fact, it goes on to say that we are a creature of habit. Now, in that, the idea would be is to really take a look at our habits, our patterns, our beliefs, and those beliefs and patterns and habits that are no longer serving us to really learn how to shift them, how to uh, dissolve them, how to push the delete button on them, so to speak, and replace them with something that would be more serving towards us and for us at soul level. So for me, freedom starts on a personal level, on an individual level, that in order for me to be free, I can only be free to the exact degree in which I've transcended all of my limiting beliefs that make up my lower matrix, individually speaking, I can only be free to the exact degree in which I have let go of my lower energy patterns that have been basically running my life and or those habits. And so that's the first and in my world, the most important thing that any one of us can do because what I just said, that's all within the realm of one's personal responsibility. That's all within the realm of one's personal destiny, that every single one of us can do that. And what I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, not just for myself I'm speaking of, but for the many that I, that I teach or coach and support in this way, is that when you accomplish this, for the first time in your lifetime, you will experience a dose of freedom that is so real, so authentic, so vibrant, so radiant, because all of a sudden you're now free to be more of who it is you already really are here in the physical. Yes, a thousand times to that. I love when you say, when you talk about the individual freedom, yeah, that's the start point, right? Because from there, yeah, we might be also working indirectly to the, uh, the collective right, freedom. Yes. Because I do believe that everything's connected and we cannot be free unless everyone else is free. <laughs> so everything is highly connected. Yeah, it can. You know, it's um, in my lifetime so far, because, you know, I've been around the block quite a few times now at this <laughs> point or this stage. And so I've seen a lot of things and I've seen people, good, good, good people attempt to go up against something that's much larger than themselves. They get themselves in some kind of a mission. They enroll other people in the mission to go and to, you know, like, for example, world peace. Yeah. And they go after this world peace, and it very seldom works because they have not yet achieved a state of inner peace. Right. So if I'm going after world peace, but I'm still not at peace with myself, you can see just by that definition, this thing is, it's already set to fall. True. It's not going to go the distance because... Everything we take on, whatever I step into, whatever you step into, whatever we step into, it really is somehow, some way it's going to come back to us individually. So if I'm on a mission to create world peace and I've really done the work properly and where I can honestly and genuinely say I've achieved a state of inner peace, 
So no matter what's going on in my world now, I live in this state of inner peace because I've achieved that state. I've embodied that state. In other words, I'm now the real deal of peace. Now, if it really is my calling or my divine destiny to step out in the world and to contribute to maybe cause a movement to take place on the planet as a way to help us move further as a collective towards world peace, now I've really got a good chance. But if I don't have this in place yet inside of myself, which I've seen many people who out in the world, good people, like I said, and have attempted this, and then I've seen just some nasty, nasty things happen to these people and to, and to those that they enroll in those types of missions. And then come the, bot- the, the bottom line is they never achieve what they set themselves out to achieve for many times the reasons that I just you know highlighted here. And so if we as a people could just grab onto that in light of what I just shared and take that like inward, take that inside, like, oh my gosh, like if I'm going to do something big on the planet, if I'm going to make a difference on the planet, then might it be true that that difference, it really begins with me. Have I accomplished that? You know, even Gandhi said, you know, be the change that you wish to see in the world. That, that simple teaching has gone over the heads of many, many people. They just didn't grab it. I even quoted in my book on being called a change, right? Because, uh, again, another area where I've seen over and over again, you've got individuals, good people that are attempting to affect a change in their community. And yet they have not yet changed with inside themselves the very thing that they're attempting to affect outside of themselves within that community. So you wrote the book, Being Called to Change, let go of all that no longer serves you and grow into your full potential. And you also wrote the ebook titled 12 Simple Steps to Change Your Life in 30 Days. And this yes. is a, an ebook that you offer for free. So two initial questions, Dale. How did you become a writer and what was the inspiration, intention and purpose of writing these books? Okay, well, I started writing a long time ago with writing my seminars. So, you know, back at the very beginning, it was all about me writing and designing and then eventually delivering a seminar. And so after having done that hundreds and hundreds of times, At some point, I started doing things like writing articles or writing in a chapter of someone else's book, you know, the collage of different authors that come together type thing. And so that went on for a number of years. And, of course, throughout all this time, I I mean, to this day, I still write design seminars. In fact, I'm always writing and designing like the next seminar kind of thing. And so eventually that all morphed into uh, the book that you're referring to right now, Being Called to Change. And that, of course, became a more intensified project in terms of its, you know, real isolation, like really honing in to those 200 plus pages of what it was that I wanted to say about that topic, Uh, not just change, but how do you recognize when you're being called to change? And then more specifically, what is change, which I give away in the subtitle, 
as in it has to do, it has everything to do with one's ability to really be able to let go of those things or that which is going on in your world that's quite frankly no longer working. I say no longer serving, but it also boils down to it's what's no longer working both inside of us as well as outside of us. What specifically is that? And then I draw the connection to, you know, everybody wants to grow into their full potential, but very few people know how to do that. And more specifically, very few people know how to really change, how to really embrace their own change or their own transformation, uh, meaning even those of us that are in transformation for a little while, the odds are, or at least the possibility is there, that we can get snafu'd, we can get snagged on our own process of changing or transforming. And when that happens, then clearly it causes a blockage within this greater process that's also at play, which is you know becoming more or less your higher self, your greater self, your true self, or realizing that full potential. So as I'm letting go of whatever it is that's no longer working, whatever it is that's no longer serving, however long that takes me, obviously some of the things take a little longer than other things to let go of. But as I'm letting go, what I'm really doing, I'm also growing naturally organically into my, or at least a part of my fuller potential or my larger potential. And so, and then of course, the 12 simple ways to change your life in 30 days, you know, these are like practices as well. They're practices, any one and, and, you know, your job at the reader's job of the 12 practices would be, is to become aware of what the 12 practices are or the 12 simple ways and then your job would be is to identify which way of those 12 or which practice of those 12 are speaking to you the most in that serving of you taking this in, so to speak. And then whatever the answer is to that, then that's the practice. That's the way that you really start to work with and you give attention to each and every day, even if it's just for 10 or 15, 20 minutes, but you do that each and every day and 30 consecutive days later you might be pleasantly surprised to see what type of a change that will naturally organically bring into your world. And there are some under the 12 of them, and some of them they call my attention, especially the one that says the practice eight, be willing to experience the uncomfortable. That is a powerful one that we most of us just run away from <laughs> uh, anything that's uncomfortable. So talk to me for a moment about the connection between the ego and letting go? Oh, that's a great question, Valeria, because there is a connection there between those two. The ego, uh, the ego, I think it's important that, you know, we have a better understanding of just a couple different things of the ego. There's a lot to learn about the ego. Like in almost every seminar that I give, even in this day, I always teach on the ego. I simultaneously teach on the soul. I teach it from a different angle pretty much every single time. I've discovered and I've come to appreciate there is so much no there's so much to know about both one's ego as well as one's soul. And in that, the ego, one of the things that's good for us to know is that the ego will always do whatever it takes to maintain a status quo. The ego uh, does not like forward movement. It's too unsettling to the ego. 
The soul, on the other hand, the soul loves the forward movement. The soul, if the soul had its way with us, there would be no such thing as a status quo. All <laughs> right. Because the soul, the soul wants to evolve. And in order for the soul to evolve and expand itself, it must drop into this dynamic of change and transformation. And so the soul within us already knows all that. The ego, on the other hand, is going to fight it, not because it's a bad ego. It's because that's what the ego knows how to do. The ego is there to create an opposition, ultimately, because it's that opposition that once we understand this and we learn how to work with it properly, this is what can actually help us to deepen our growth or accelerate our growth. But until we get to that point, the ego will always move towards a state of status quo. The ego, wherever it begins to sense that we're starting to level up in our life or move forward, it's going to move into resistance or what I call in my book, unconscious resistance, the silent killer. And so in that, the connection between those two, letting go is about transformation. Letting go is about change. Because in order for me to bring upon the new change, I have to let go of the old. The ego, however, the ego gets its, its hooks and literally energetic hooks. It gets it into whatever it is that I'm hanging on to because that becomes its status quo, you see. Yeah. And so as long as it can hang on to that, and so in that, if, if, if it turns out that I have a real smart ego or I have a real intelligent ego or I now maybe have a spiritualized ego, if that's the case, then what's going to happen? My ego, in its own tricky way, can influence me to basically continue on this process of hanging on to the very thing that's not working, the very thing that's no longer serving, but by hanging on to it, which really means I'm not letting it go, instead I'm going to hang on to it, and while I hang on to it, what I'm really doing is I'm helping my ego to maintain its status quo because the ego feels a lot better, so to speak, or the ego feels, that's probably not even a better, uh, the better phrase, the ego feels a lot safer or more secure when it's got something to kind of stay still on because when it can stay still, isn't that status quo, then the ego itself kind of settles down. But the moment I go to that very thing, even when I recognize that it's no longer working or it's even causing me pain or whatever that might be for me, when I begin to move there, I'm going into a battle with my ego because my ego is going to resist me from even getting there because the ego is now hooked into that thing that it wants me to hold in place because that's its way of achieving that status quo. The problem is, That's what I'm really to be letting go of because it is no longer serving me. It is no longer working. But now I'm possibly snafu'd. I'm stuck. I'm having a difficult time letting it go, partly because I'm literally living under the influence of my smart ego, only I might not be aware of that. You have the five master steps to letting go. I love the last one, the five, become fearless. And I often ask the question, not to everyone, but some of my guests, if there is um, a moment in life where, in the human body, where we are fearless. Well, yes, it doesn't seem realistic until you start to gain some experiences in your body Mm. where you were victorious 
uh, with something in your life. So I'm a big cheerleader for celebrating our victories, for slowing it down enough to where we recognize when we've actually had a victorious moment. Because a lot of times in those victorious moments, we confronted something. We confronted something in order to get to that victorious moment, uh, whatever that victorious moment is. And so when it comes to fear, fear ultimately it needs to be confronted, not all in one setting, because if somebody has a lot of fear inside of them, there's no way you're going to confront it all in one setting. But we can confront it incrementally, and it would serve us impeccably well to do so, to really get on a pathway, if we're not already, where we are purposely, purposely and consciously, we're going after our fears. Because those fears, the fears that are suppressed inside of us, Valeria, uh, those fears is what keeps us from being in our more natural state of being, which is to be fearless. So if I become the embodiment of my soul, and now not everybody's the embodiment of their soul. In fact, a lot of people are not even connected to their soul. Their soul is still attached to them, obviously, but they're not really connected to their soul. And so, and then there are now more people than ever before on the planet who are, who have really become the full on embodiment of their soul. When you're in the presence of somebody who's become the full-on embodiment of their soul self, you're in the presence of somebody who's now achieved that state. So remember, we were talking about the state of inner peace earlier on. So this would be a state of fearlessness where they've achieved a state of fearlessness. And in a state of fearlessness, all it really means is you have no more suppressed fear inside of you. All of the fear that you were holding on to subconsciously or all the fear that your inner child has been holding on to for however long it's been holding on to, all of that fear is now gone. It's been transformed. It's been healed. It's been resolved. And what I discovered some time ago is that once all that fear is gone, you become fearless. Now, leading up to that point, you're, you're, you're having your own inklings, if you will, through experiences of what it's like to be fearless, where all of a sudden you have a moment like, holy cow, I think I was just fearless. Yeah, you kind of were. And then a few months later, something similar happens, maybe just a little bit different, and you come to the same conclusion like, holy cow, I think I was just fearless there. Yes, you were now fearless. and But that's because you've been chipping away at the suppressed old fear material that's been inside of you since the beginning of time. And so, and as you continue on down this path, and you, for real now, you clear out all of that old suppressed fear that was trapped inside of you, that at that point in time, that's when you become fearless. But in addition to that, there's a direct connection between achieving this state of fearlessness and this process of embodying your soul self, the greater you. It's a, it's a phenomenon that up until most recently, has it just has not been understood all that well on the planet. That obviously is all now changing. And it ought to change because the timing is now for it to change so that more people on the planet can start to access these higher teachings in a way that they start to be empowered by them so that ultimately they can come to this place where they do achieve a state of fearlessness and also, and possibly, a state of inner peace as well. 
Do you have that vision that one day all of us uh, as humanity will come to this place of living from the soul? Uh, again, great question. And yes, I do. I have a, a, a very big, a big vision that that is really connected to all of us on the planet. Um, here sometime this year, 2021, more than likely around the midpoint, uh, we're going to start or I want to start a movement. And and once that movement begins, it'll have a lot to do with what we're talking about here today. And of course, a lot of other things, uh, but a worldwide movement where more and more people start accessing this in a way that really helps them to both live a more empowered life, or I also say many times, learning how to live authentically, learning how to live at one with your authentic self, your most real self here in the physical. And so this is no longer about one person achieving this anymore. You know, if we go back in a time, I mean, back far enough into our civilizations, not just this civilization, but civilizations prior to this one, you'll see that approximately every 500 years or so, there's always been a being that has emerged through and from humanity, from the baseline of humanity, from the underbelly of, of humanity. And they've risen to these higher levels of consciousness in physical form. We refer to them as a master, or at least we did refer to them as a master. And, you know, but that was on an individual level, and that was all part of our times. It was very significant for them to do that in the greater scheme of things. However, today, the era that we've now stepped into, and now that we've entered into the you know, this new age of Aquarius, astrologically speaking, part uh, of, of this new age is that we are all to be doing this now. It's no longer just uh, for an individual. This is for the us. This is for the we now. This is for the people now. This is what this is really all about. And even though there's, I'm sure, a lot of people that can't quite see that just yet, there are some people who can see this uh, and over time, time being in the months to come and the years to come, this is going to become more and more obvious because we as a people, this is what we have really been waiting for. This is what we really deserve. This is really our direction that we are to be achieving these states in consciousness in that of our physical form on the planet, for the planet, and quite frankly, for each other, because we all hold a peace in relation to each other, because we are all a part of this much larger thing known as our, our uh, humanity or as the collective consciousness, the higher collective consciousness on this planet at this time. We're almost at the end. I have a few more questions for you. But before that, would you like to add anything or talk about your podcast show, Ask Dell Anything? And um, yeah, anything else that you'd like to mention? Oh, gosh. Yes, thank you. I suppose one would be the show, uh, the podcast or our show that we do on Wednesdays and Saturdays, every Wednesday morning and Saturday morning. And it's a show that we've titled Ask Dale Anything, askdaleanything.com. And the reason why that has been titled that way is throughout my years of teaching and coaching and facilitating others is that it just became obvious at some point that it doesn't matter what people seem to ask me. 
I always seem to have not just an answer, but I seem to have the right answer for them at that particular time. And we get that feedback over and over again. Again, I've been doing this thousands of times over throughout the years. And my wonderful co-host, Mickey, uh, who shares the show format with me as well. She's kind of like the MC, or she, not kind of like she is the MC, <laughs> yeah. and, and a wonderful one at that. And so and she's also one of my students and she works in my company. She's my left hand person. So she knows me really well. And and her life is transformed since we met as well. So she has her own story with regard to that. But because she's as close as she is to me, she has seen this thing play out over and over and over again. It doesn't matter what setting I'm, what setting that I'm in. It doesn't matter how many people are in the audience doesn't matter whose platform I'm on, doesn't matter how many people are on that platform. She has watched over and over again that once we open it up for Q&A and the questions start coming my way, that every question that gets asked gets an answer. And that answer seems to be just the perfect answer for that individual who's asking that question. So out of that came the, the theme of the show, askdaleanything.com. I'll have that link connected to your podcast profile, too. I'm sorry, I think I interrupted you. You're about to say something. Oh, and so in that, <laughs> yes, if, if this resonates with you or if what I'm sharing with you at all today resonates with you, then please join us on our show. Again, it's, you know, a couple of times each each week. Uh, we already have quite a following. And even if your question doesn't get answered, you will hear somebody else's question gets uh, you know, every week it's somebody's question always gets answered. And uh, again, even though it might not be your question, but somehow, somehow, mm -hmm. I think it happens mm -hmm. when you're listening to the answer to somebody else's question, you start to relate, you start to reflect. All of a sudden it takes you on this inner journey, like, holy cow, like I'm so glad he's, we also hear from our people uh, on these different platforms where they say, you know, to the, you know, to the person who asked the question, They'll give them credit like, wow, that was a great question you just asked. Uh, we hear that a lot, too, you know, because, again, we're all connected and, yeah, and we all right. it's so relatable and so helpful and so meaningful. And so, uh, yes, uh, for just uh, support twice a week, come on and join us in the show. Bring your friends if you like the show or your associates or whoever. Take full advantage of it. I mean, that's why we're here and that's why we're doing this is to serve uh, to serve people and helping to hopefully level up their life a little bit. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? Uh, again, another great question. I, I've thought about that many a times, and uh, especially in the last 10 years of my life. So at this point, I feel like if I was to go today, I feel like inwardly, I feel very complete. Externally, there's a few more things I would like to do to set things up as a way to further support people, especially those that are very dear to me. And then those outside of that inner circle, that core circle of you know, my life, to be able to leave that legacy. And so I would say, yes, on the inside, I'm complete. Externally, I'm in full gear right now to leave my legacy now. And so in the months and years to come here, you know, that is my number one focus now, my legacy, so that that might live on for some time. 
as a way to constantly and continuously support, you know, individuals that are ready for this level of, of support in their life. And so, so it's a little bit of it. It's yeah, everything I said, that's what it would be for right now. My last question is what are three things about life, you know, for sure, as of this moment? Well, uh, one would be, I know that relationships are everything that if it wasn't for the opportunity to have a relationship with those that we genuinely really care about and they care about us, that life just would not have a deeper meaning. And without those relationships, life will become meaningless. And therefore, the individual will end up unhappy or maybe even downright miserable And when we become unhappy or miserable, the odds are we're going to miss the mark in our own life. We're going to miss what this life was really all about. We're going to miss out on what it was we were really to experience. And so that would be number one. Number two, um, what I know is that inside of us, There is this magnificent being. We, we can refer to that magnificent being as our higher self or as our truer self or most authentic self. That being that we all are, now it's individual and unique to each person, but that being that I'm alluding to right now is connected to the God. That being is connected to the head of the divine I know because I've experienced it in this life. This is not something I've read from a book. This is something that I've had many experiences now with in this uh, life. And so I know what exists. I also know something else. And that is what I just said. It can be accessed naturally. It can be accessed um, organically. In other words, it's not required that we need a drug of any kind in order to access this. And I'm not saying you shouldn't use a drug that gets to be a personal choice, but I, you asked me the question, what do I know for sure? I know that this higher state that is who we are, that we obviously at the very least are attached to that this higher state, this higher being that resides within us as us until such time that we maybe embody that, that that being does exist And that being is connected to something even greater. And that being can be accessed naturally and organically. And I know this, as I said, because I've experienced this now a number of times in this lifetime with no help from anybody. It's all been natural whenever it's happened. And so, as I say sometimes to my students, that if I can do this, given where I started this life, Uh, which perhaps is another story for another time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> If I can do this, then what that might imply to you, whoever's listening right now, that you could probably do it too. Thank you so much, Dale, for your work, your wisdom, your peaceful presence, your knowledge, your spiritual knowledge, and everything else in between. Thank you. You're so welcome. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? I would say the simplest place would be our website, uh, which is dalehalloway.com. Dale as in D-A-L-E, 
Hallaway, as in H-A-L-A-W-A-Y.com. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. My pleasure, Valeria. <laughs> Bye for now, then. You bet. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dale Holloway and his work, please visit daleholloway.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.